Foundations Investment Advisors has an exclusive offer for American Hero Show listeners, or as Travis says, people of listening, head to AmericanHeroShow.com slash challenge to learn more about the new 6040 challenge and schedule your intro call. The advisors at Foundations will help you beat your current retirement plan, and if they can't, they'll send you $100. Check out AmericanHeroShow.com slash challenge to learn more and to schedule your call today. The American Hero Show, featuring Travis Mills. From generals to grandparents, superheroes to superintendents, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. This is the American Hero Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Hero Show podcast. Tim and I are excited to have you. We are fired up. I'm so excited. To be I mean, here. tickled pink, really. Always, always tickled pink, too. Tickled uh, pink, hanging out for with you. sure. And yep. all the peoples are listening out there that support us. We can't thank you enough. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fantastic guest today. We're really excited about her, her career, and the things she's done. We can't wait to share everything with her. And Tim, take it away. Well, this person has got a resume of kindness, is what I mm-hmm. like to call it. After 9-11, she realized that there was a, a massive need for help to help the firefighters, first responders, and their families. And, uh, you know, she found it in her heart and maybe maybe found a calling to uh, to go out and help them and started uh, Friends of Firefighters in New York City to help firefighters with their, you know, social, emotional stuff and their families. And it's really a kind of an amazing story. Right. Absolutely. And right after 9-11, I mean, stepping up to the plate to help out. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's please welcome to the show the founder and executive director of Friends of Firefighters organization, Nancy Carbone. Nancy, how are you today, you champion? I'm doing well. That's quite the introduction. Now I have to try to live up to it. <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody that says stuff like that, they know that they're awesome, and they're just trying to... You, you know you're awesome. So, let's okay, let's get started with the hardball questions. That's what I do. I throw out the hardball questions, the hard-hitting stuff. Okay. Um, what's your favorite food? Jesus. <laughs> does chocolate count as a food? I Absolutely. Think, yes, 100%. Yes. Chocolate does Both count of our as a favorite food. Yeah. Dark chocolate, absolutely, hands down. Dark chocolate, okay, with sea salt and or anything like no, that, or no, 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 don't mess that up. No, no, mm. no. Okay, I ha- I was with you until there's no sea salt. I like the sea salt. I know you like the sea salt. I do you, like you the like sea your salt. stuff spicy. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, no. Okay, so thanks for being here. Really appreciate you having taking time for us today. Can you just give us a little background where you're from, where you grew up, what you've been up to? You know, the early years, if you will. The early years. Yeah, the early years of of Nancy the Great. Um. Well, I don't know about the great, but I grew up on Long Island. I moved into Greenwich Village in the 70s, and then I moved over to Brooklyn in the 80s. And my background was in postpartum home care, and I was actually with the first doula uh, organization in America called the Mom Service back in the 80s. And um, I had two children. I think what what changed my trajectory in my life certainly was nine eleven. Mm-hmm. I was able to use my skills working with families and transfer them over to helping the firehouses with what their immediate needs were after nine eleven, which were uh, bunting for the firehouses, uh, different things they might need at the site like shoes and socks and things like that. And then one firefighter, John Sorrentino at Engine Two Hundred Five, asked me if I could start some kind of a counseling service for the firefighters. So I sort of moved my whole life into that world, and I've been there for twenty-two years. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! So. So you just had a calling to give back and help people is what you're saying. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. 
Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, trust me, I get that. I totally mm-hmm. get that. Well, that's amazing. So let's let's go back to the part with with uh, postpartum, care. the home home the mom, care mom service. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Like, what made you passionate about that? I mean, I we'll get to the we have we have plenty of time. I yeah, mean, we, I, we want to focus on you and who you are because I think people that maybe tune in and listen, they they don't. I mean, my life, I had it all mapped out. Twenty years military, high school football coach, and a teacher. Lawn care business actually in the summer, you know, but didn't work out that way. So I think when people hear that, you know, you don't have to have your life scripted, but you also can take different paths and, and have success. I think it's a huge thing. So what, what got you into the postpartum home care? Um, I, maybe my own kids having my own children, but I, I did want to be a midwife for a number of years mm-hmm. and it just wasn't in the cards for whatever reason. And I did get a lot of satisfaction out of helping new families. The unfortunate thing was at the time it didn't have any insurance coverage or anything. So I was predominantly working with wealthier families when I really didn't, I wanted to work with the families who may not have had two partners on the scene, that it was a burden, that maybe there was something that went awry uh, during the pregnancy or birth. And those were the families I was really drawn to, uh, the ones that truly needed the help. Not that the others didn't, but this was different. And so I, I actually started to be drawn to the cases where the infant did not survive in order to help the parents through their grief. And so um, I think that is what probably helped me most when working with the firefighters. They lost their brothers. Uh, Mm -hmm. They lost 343 on that date and almost that same number to this date from 9-11 cancer. So the idea was to set something up and then get somebody that was smart enough to run it. Um, not that I haven't found smart people, I have, but nobody else wanted to run it. So here I am. Yeah, no, I get that. I get yeah. that. So and then, so you had a conversation with uh, you said John uh, Sorrentino, <laughs> and he was just like, "Hey, look, Nancy, I know how great you are. Why don't you just start this organization from the ground up and let's see where we take it." Is that kind of how it went? Well, we can put those words in his mouth. That's not what he said, but we can say (laughs) that he said that. He basically said, well, they were coming back from the site. They were exhausted, and he was thinking of the long-term and immediate needs. And so he was able, and this was really mind-blowing at the moment, he was dealing with eight members missing from his firehouse. They were all killed. Um, but at the time he was able to say, okay, this is what we need today. This is what we'll need tomorrow. And this is what we're going to need ongoing. It was pretty uncanny, especially for a firefighter, uh, in New York city. I think it may be, it may be all firefighters, but there's a rest and, and military also, um, there's a reticence. There's a, I don't need help. I'm good. I got this. Um, and uh, they are the ones that go to help. So it's difficult to change roles. And so the idea was to make it, um, make it familiar, make it, make it feel less formal that if they were going into counseling, that it was going to be with someone who understood their, their schedule, who understood their calling. Um, and there has to be a deep respect and our, our counselors do deeply respect the, the members and what it is that they do for a living, but also understand the traumas that come with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, right. So I was injured in Afghanistan, lost arms and legs, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to uh, anybody that didn't understand, that hasn't been overseas, hasn't fired rounds downrange, hasn't been in the mix and, and zipped up buddies and body bags and things like that. So, I mean, that's huge, right? That's a huge thing. We actually, at my foundation, um, the Travis Mills Foundation, we have partnered with a program called Warrior Path Program. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that they chose us as one of the locations. But the cool part is now... They give post-traumatic stress counseling to first responders as well as combat veterans. So they've opened the doors 
And it's all train the trainer. It has, you have to be a first responder, a combat veteran that went through this course to actually become one of the counselors or the guides, they call them. So it's a huge thing. You know, people don't want to open up if, you, if they don't think you're going to understand them. And so how, how long after 9-11 did this all get, get going? Well, I think the, the relationships grew uh, between uh, the different firehouses and myself in the interim, but we were incorporated in February 2002. And in fact, that's when Danny joined the board. So it was February mm-hmm. 2002. Mm-hmm. And the idea um, at the time, I really thought it would be a short-lived service for those who survived 9-11. And then there was a fatal fire in the Bronx uh, that uh, it, it, it made me realize that didn't matter how long the firefighters had on the job. It didn't matter if they were there for 9-11 or not. What mattered was that there be help going on like beyond what would be the life term of anybody from 9-11, that there has mm-hmm. to be help that is on their terms. So I think everything that might be a barrier to help needed to be removed. So, it, so the money issue, the insurance issue, the tracing it back to the job, all of that had to be off the table. The ability to come and just park at the facility. We opened up nine after after Sandy, but we closed them all except one during COVID. And um, the one that mm-hmm. we are in is an old firehouse. And that, I think, is really the magnet. Because when they come in, they're home. Over 400 firefighters came from throughout the city on their own time to build it back into a firehouse. It was in private hands for a number of decades, and they were able to come in and, and turn it back into a firehouse. So when there's that familiarity, there's already, they walk through the doors, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable. I know where everything is. And uh, and then when they meet the people that have been trained largely by firefighters, it's there's no pressure. They don't have to try to explain why they do what they do and how they do it. The conversation continues in moments. Do you know someone who's motivated, helped, or inspired you over the years? Nominate a hero to be featured on a future episode at AmericanHeroShow.com. While there, learn more about the American Hero Show, brought to you by Foundations Investment Advisors in benefit of the Travis Mills Foundation. The American Hero Show is brought to you by Foundations Investment Advisors. Foundations helps pre-retirees and retirees manage risks in the new normal economy. As a fiduciary, Foundations does not charge commissions and works with independent advisors nationwide. To request your complimentary customized financial plan, go to AmericanHeroShow.com. And now the conversation continues with Travis and Tim. I think it's amazing what you're doing, first of all. But my first question is, you, I mean, 9-11 obviously impacted all of us. You were in New York City mm-hmm. when it happened, yes? Oh, yeah. Do you remember where you were, what, what you were doing? Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's one of those things, right? Everybody knows where they are when those, mm-hmm. those, those massive events happen. Where, where were you when it happened? I was in bed. I had driven from uh, Vermont the night before. I got home very, very late. It was a little bit rainy the night before. And ironically, I had, I had stopped at a light right in front of the Trade Center the night before at about 1 a.m. And I looked up. I couldn't see the top of it. And I just remember thinking, you know, it was, it was rainy. It was, it, it was just an unusual thing because I very rarely, I'm a New Yorker. I don't look up. You know, but sure, this day I sure, did. yeah. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, I, there was an explosion. Really, that my whole building shook. I was right across the water in Brooklyn in Carroll Gardens, and I asked my husband to go up and check on the roof. I thought something fell out of an airplane because it really our whole building shook. Um, which he did, but he didn't look up. He just looked on the roof and saw nothing. If he looked up, he would have seen uh, that one of the buildings uh, was uh, hit. So. Um, 
yeah, I mean, that's, I I had to go and get my daughter out of school. And so I just got, um, all the cloth, cloth napkins I could find because by that time, um, there was smoke everywhere. And then the building started to, the first one fell, it was snowing black over our whole neighborhood. So I had these cloths and I, and I wet them all. And as I was running up to her school, I was handing them out. I remember one gentleman had his infant daughter and I told him, you know, put this over her head. And then I went and got my daughter. Um, and my daughter's hearing impaired and she felt the buildings. She, she felt the, 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 all the children were quite upset, obviously. The school handled it well. And, uh, so I guess my, uh, the, the thing that strikes me about your, your story about your first reaction was you immediately thought about taking care of people. <laughs> you started getting rags and getting mm-hmm. people, start, immediately started taking care of people. Did you yeah. know at that point that you were going to do something bigger, that you just wanted to oh, get there I wanted and help? to get my daughter just, out of school. That's yeah, what yeah. I was. And then I started thinking so. about my friends who are firefighters who made that I, I, what happened now? I went to one of my friends um, who also had children in the school that my daughter was in. <clears throat> um, they had a television with an antenna. So, not an antenna. They had a cable. We didn't have cable at the time. So sure. when the buildings came down, we couldn't get any news. But it came across that uh, about 500 firefighters were missing. And, of course, then my mind went to my friends who were all firefighters. Uh, they did survive. And then my next thing was, well, what do I do next to help them? Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. And then I was thinking, when we bring families to the foundation and people wonder, like, well, what, you know, what's... Like, what's the best stories you've heard? I mean, we have a lot of good stories, but what's some of the best, most memorable things that you've been able to witness or be a part of when people tell you, you know, what, what you've done for them, what the organization's done for them? Well, let's say the organization. I'm not in the room. Uh, I'm not a counselor. I don't go in with the people and, and help them to change their lives. I only just shuffle papers and make it possible to happen. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in there. So from my perspective, I think it's watching people come in and they'll refer to themselves. The firefighters will call themselves uh, or each other uh, broken toys. You know, if they're going through a tough time, it's to me, the most rewarding thing is seeing people um, change and for the better and um, reclaim their lives that that's the most rewarding thing. I mean, individual stories, I'm sure there are many, but, um, you know, I, I think I might be the best person as far as confidentiality because I truly forget. I, I you know, people will confide in me and, um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. And, and, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that are horrific and unfair. And um, not everybody gets to go back and redesign a life for themselves sometimes, you know. And and I think Travis, you know this best. You know, you have to look at what you have left and say, okay, how do I turn this into something that is beneficial for me and for those around me? You know, that's a tall order for some people. Some people mm-hmm. just really they're alone. They lost their friends and they don't see a way through. Or some people come to it late and they say, well, it can't be nine eleven because it's been fifteen years and. My family, you know, my wife left, my kids don't talk to me, but it's not 9-11. So, you know, there's coming to the realization in their own time that maybe they need the help. Um, I do know that the further they go without help, uh, the more difficult and more uh, resistant they are to getting it. Mm -hmm. Because now you're Mm -hmm. going to open up a big can of worms. And in fact, it's not like that. Uh, it's, It's about giving the power back to the person that has been knocked off their trajectory, you know, knocked off their track. Do you find it uh, easy, difficult to get counselors that, to help 
to join in the fight? Initially, this was all volunteer. And at that time, I was very, very protective of who was coming in the room. Um, And in the beginning, yes, I found it very difficult to find somebody who was going to understand the culture, not judge. You know, there's a lot of language that's used by by first responders that is not exactly uh, PC. Can you look past that and see what this person's really saying? So yeah, I think initially, but no, now I would say, you know, we've got uh, 14 counselors about to hire the 15th. And um, no, I, I, I would sit with any one of them. And that's part of the process of interviewing them. Do I want to sit with them? Yeah, you know? yeah, Are sure. they coming in with a clipboard telling me, you know, how they're going to fix me? Um, that doesn't work. So, yeah. Did, uh, what about the firefighters themselves or first responders? Do you, do you find it difficult to get them to come in? Maybe what, what does that process look like of how do you get those people to come say, yeah, I need some help? You know, it's funny you say that. I would say that initially it's like that old caveman thing where you hit the person with a club and drink. You know, (laughs) uh, we did have a couple of guys get dropped off uh, by their rigs where we had it happen twice where they were told not to come back to the rig until they they got to run. If they got to run, they have to go. Or B, the counselor said that this person is able to get back on the rig. So obviously the behavior issues did spill over to their personal lives and their professional lives. A lot of resistance for many years, a lot of resistance. And I think it was through the years that we've proven ourselves. And I think the number one thing is um, the best advertising, and I don't even like to use that word, but the best advertising is each other. If a firefighter is saying this works and that firefighter is respected, that's going to bring in other people. So now I have to say we, um, we are faced with a a, a tremendous demand for counseling, more so than ever before. We've got about 100 new, I'll call them clients, firefighters, uh, family members, since January 1 of this year. So we are hiring more counselors to meet the the demand. Uh, The worst thing you can do is tell them there's a wait list. You know, if a first responder is asking for help, you better be there. So that's my challenge is to make sure that we've got the funding going forward that we can keep as many counselors on as we need. Um, but the need is growing for sure. Oh, absolutely. And then the thing is, you know, that's like you said, it's, it's more about taking advice from other people that have been through it. You know, with our uh, mental health in the military, where I come, you know, my background is where I come from. You know, it was always like, they're going to take my guns. They're going to make me retire or whatever and it was all the stigma of like i'm not talking to anybody mm-hmm. and i and i was there i didn't i didn't talk to anybody and when they came in i told them they can leave um because i wasn't going to talk to them but we've come a long way as a um, society where it's like no it's okay to talk about that and to let it out and you know not hold it in and things like that so i think it's absolutely fantastic and i mean you have a pretty Im- a impressive advisory board as well i mean you got what gary sinise and steve bashimi kevin smith steve Sherpa. I'm trying to read Sherpa. Yeah. Sherpa, yeah. I was saying that wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, Gary Sinise is a, is a personal friend of mine, you know, through my injuries. And he's been a great, you know, teacher in a way. Yeah, probably. To, like, yeah. help me with my foundation mentor. and things that we're doing, yep. like a mentor. Yep. And uh, just a fantastic guy. But, I mean, as we, I mean, we're kind of getting to the, to the, to the wrap-up here. Is there anything, I mean, any call to action or anything that you want to send people to go look at or how they can get involved? But Absolutely. For all of our peoples of listening, we'd love to know how to find out how to get more counselors for you, more funding, more things like that. Well, we absolutely need the funding, and I, I think, Travis, you know how that goes. It's, it's you know, you've got something that's really good, and, and uh, I take it 
very personally the, that we have to meet our mark financially so that we're able to continue the care. So if people want to go to our website, it's uh, friendsoffirefighters.org. And, um, yeah, we, we always could use the help, the volunteers, but really I want to carry the message forward that we're there for firefighters active and retired and their family members. And you can't forget the families because they're dealing with a whole lot when they're dealing with a first responder, especially one in pain. Um, we also extended to the dispatchers who are taking these calls in and, uh, we have been taking a, the, there's an overflow of EMS members who need help. So the idea is, you know, when you look at somebody, especially a first responder, um, you know, there's layers and layers to experiences the longer they've been on the job. So keep in mind that they may have injuries you can't see. And um, this does not make them weak. In fact, if anything, it's, it takes a lot to pick up the phone and ask for help. It's 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 a hard thing to do. But um, well, I, think yeah, I also think, sorry to cut you off, but I also think that based off experiences, it's also if you're willing to take the, the step forward to get better or to reach out and get help at least, you know, the people that have been in there longer and done more things, the experience is, is crucial. So people can say like, oh, this, you know, this firefighter has this many years out there on the job and they're saying that this has helped them. Uh, I think that's kind of like what opens a lot of doors, right? I mean, Absolutely. if someone you respect and look up to and admire is doing it, then you're going you're gonna to want to do it as well. That's why, you know, whenever I see Tim, I'm like, man, when I get hit as old as Tim, I hope I'm half as, as cool as him. Yeah, neither of you can talk about age to me. So that's that's. (laughs) Travis just hopes he Travis just hopes he has hair. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Another facet to what we do is uh, we do disaster response. So after Sandy, we were actually in the homes of the firefighters and their neighbors, uh, helping them to gut out the homes and pump out the water and take care of their immediate needs. So I think that also bought in a lot of of, for our organization to be credible. We were in their Mm -hmm. homes and that's that that also made a change. Fast forward through COVID, we were there. You know, we didn't drop one session. It was all virtual, which we started prior to COVID. But, you know, just being there when they need it that's that's the test right for me mm-hmm. oh absolutely absolutely awesome. man i really admire the mission that you've taken on the fact that you you know there are people who will, will will move on with their lives and try to better their own lives but the fact that you're you're digging in and helping all those people who who you know for some of them their families gave the you know the the ultimate sacrifice i, I appreciate what you're doing and i admire what you're doing well, I appreciate that, but it is an honor, and there's nothing wrong with people moving on. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I just happened to timing. The world's collided in such a way, and uh, and it's effective, and that's why I stay at it. It's it's working, and uh, that is the biggest joy is to see people um, happy. Absolutely. Well, I just I, I'm a, I, I'm amazed by we we've, we've Nancy we've had I mean guests after guests who have amazing stories, and it, it always floors me to hear the commitment level that you guys have in the mission that you have. It's unbelievable, including this clown over here that I get to do this podcast with. It always floors me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have had the chance to communicate with you and talk to you about, about your mission. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Please don't blow me up to be something I'm not. I'm I'm a mom. I'm a mom. There was a need and and, and it's getting done and that's great. Travis, what you're doing, I really, I've got to get up there to see it. I I didn't realize you had this thing running in Maine and I've got to, I've got to get up there to see it. So thank you for that. But doing this work is a privilege. So when people compliment me, I kind of feel like I'm being a phony accepting it. So it's a privilege. 
I don't worry. I'm the same way. I mean, secretly, I love it, obviously. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, Nancy. You, you're a true joy and saving a lot of people. And I know you don't feel like it, but you really are. And uh, finding the right people to you know, be counselors and work with the, yeah. the first responders is, uh, is I, I bet it's not easy, but you take it on and uh, you crush it. So thanks for being on our podcast. And I and, uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thank yep. you. Appreciate it. You take care. Thanks, Absolutely. thanks so much. Take care. This is the American Hero Show. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Tim. Not many people make me feel like uh, I'm insufficient. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I'm not doing enough. I, apparently, I'm not doing my job then. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is that was fantastic. Yeah, Nancy seems seriously. like just a heart of gold. Uh, wouldn't take one compliment. We tried hard, though. A great, you know what? She's every great leader. Always humble. Always focused on the mission. And very quickly um, diffuses the... The compliments. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, a lot unlike you. No, no. I want all the all compliments. Of you want my you picture know. on everything. And, oh, gosh. Yeah. You want, I mean, I'll tell you what. The one, the one thing that made me so angry when I, when I had my son, yeah. right, when Kelsey had our son, mm-hmm. you know, was, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. was that she didn't let me name him Travis. Oh, yeah. I love myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you remind me of George Foreman yeah. in a lot of He's ways. He's got 14 yeah. kids, right? All, all named George. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about the this. Nancy was unbelievable. The the stuff that she's doing as as a result. Some people are driven to move on and kind of look inward. Nancy immediately looked outward after 9-11. I mean, to wet the cloths and run to the school and give them the people. That was the coolest thing. Over your face. And I mean, who thinks of that, you know? That tells you everything you need to know about her character and and, and who she is as a person. It sounds like they've got the right person at the helm of that thing, and it's it's flourishing. They're doing some great things. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Tim, it always is a pleasure to be able to sit next to you and do this for... For you know, for fun. I appreciate you having me up here to the lovely studio. Absolutely. This is your studio. Oh yeah, I did. I, I yeah, I don't set none of this up. True. I literally show point. up, very good, hang point. out, make some bad jokes, mm-hmm. and then you bring it all full circle. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed the show and you want to find more episodes, please visit our website, AmericanHeroShow.com. As well as you can find us on all major supporting platforms that do podcasts. Yeah, anywhere you find your podcast, you can find us. And remember, tell your friends and family about it because I have no arms and legs. You feel bad enough to let them know. But <laughs> either way, you peoples of listening, you champions among champions, uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks a lot. Till next time. We'll see you next time. Take care. For more on how you can help our country's heroes, go to AmericanHeroShow.com.